Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 2. Here's Pastor Ryan. Because marriage is based on trust. Love is based on trust. If you don't have trust, you don't have anything. So that's why, out of all the things God said, she's free to go marry someone else, he's free to go marry someone else, whatever, you know. But, but hey, he, you know, she took him back, okay. And that's why when I counsel people in these situations, I never say, you know what, you need to go back with him because God says to forgive. Never. Forgiveness has nothing to do with you taking him back. Forgiveness has to do with forgive as Christ has forgiven you. But that position to come back and to have that spot again, that's between you and the Lord. You pray through that. I'm not just going to blanket uh, uh, counsel every, you know what I mean? Because maybe God doesn't want that. You ever think that? God knows the heart. And so this pastor that I loved so much, you know, he never asked to be pastor again once he repented, which I commend. You see, when you're broken over your sins, you don't come back and say, well, I want my position back and these are my rights. My rights, have you read the story of the prodigal son? He said, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I'll just be your slave, your, your, your servant. That's all. Don't need to be your son. That's the heart of someone who's broken. They don't demand their rights. I said, I'm sorry. I de- I'm sorry. No. And you see in some churches, well, oh, brother so-and-so repented and, and let's, we're all to forgive and everyone has to be now fed by somebody they don't trust. Are you kidding me? Some, oh, well, the gifts of God are irrevocable. Yeah, he can, he can pastor some sheep or some goats or, or the kids. Go pastor them. But you can't be here anymore because we care about the sheep. I care about the sheep's feelings more than I care about the victimizers. Everyone's, oh, you were molested as a kid or you were raped or God, so these, all these things happen. Have you forgiven them? Are you, you know, let's give them a place of prominence and forgiveness and all these things. And it's just like, yeah, that's something I don't even bring up to them. I want to know how they're doing. They were the victims. And I want to share with them to let that go. Let Give it to God. Don't be bitter. Give it to God. But I ain't going to make them go knock on the the victimizer's house. I forgive you and do go through. You see it in courts and all that. That's not me. You know? God's a God of peace. He's not called us to oppression. I'm just like, you know, God will handle him. Don't be bitter. God will handle her. You just move on without bitterness. You just give it to God. You give it to God. But I care about the victims. The church too much is like, oh, here's the job. Here's your turn to really prove whether you're a Christian by forgiving the guy who just devastated everybody. Leave him to God. God says forgive. Bless those who curse you. We agree with all that. But he doesn't say they get a position of prominence back. It's like the treasurer who steals thousands of dollars from the church. 
And he comes to his senses and he realizes he did the church wrong. He did God wrong. And he comes back and he says, oh, you know, I'll never steal again. And I'm so sorry. Uh, can I have my treasurer position back? We would say, look, of course you can come back. But you can't have that position back. I'm sorry. While you were gone, we got a more honest treasurer. You see? To whom much is given, much is required. And I think when someone's forgiven and broken, they don't care. They're not over there fighting for what they feel they deserve. Doesn't sound like sorry, like a true sorry to me. Does that make sense? A lot of Christians hurt each other by... So in the, when I was early, you know, like a, early in my walk as a Christian, you know, come from a broken home. Have you ministered to all those people that broke you in that broken home? No, I was just kind of too busy growing in the Lord and enjoying my life. Because I have a life for the first time in my life. And when he says I'm to go and do that, I will. I get that. But you don't want to blanket, carpet, everybody, whoever abused you, go and show them the love of Christ by forgiving them. If you get an opportunity and you happen to run into him and the Lord is God enough to speak to your own heart, you can say something if he prompts you, but I'm not going to prompt you to go do, and I don't think we should do that to each other. I trust Jesus in you. I trust the Lord in you. The Bible says love believes all things. I'm not going to sit here and think you're bitter because you were abused as a kid. You should really go and find them and face book them what is it facebook yeah facebook you know it's like and and that's another thing i mean during jesus's time there was no instagram facebook no phones when we're over there reaching out to our prodigals and oh i, I love you and i'm praying I'm, I'm right here you don't see that in scripture you just let them let the lord deal with them if they know that they still have your emotions like this and you can talk yourself into, oh, but if I just say the right thing, they will. How about if God does the right thing, they will. But because we have this, we feel compelled. Don't feel compelled. Or feel compelled if the Holy Spirit leads you. But I just read in my text that when the father saw the prodigal running back to him, he ran to him. Didn't say that he texted him and bugged him and all of that stuff. <laughs> he just... You know, you got to let people do their thing. So just because we forgive doesn't always mean a restoration to a prior position of honor or privilege. There are consequences to sin, and depending on the circumstances, they can be very heavy at times. Amen? There is difference. There's a difference between stealing a candy bar and killing somebody. Not all sin is sin. All sin is sin is in the sense that you're guilty before God, Right? But as far as consequences, you know what I mean? Uh, our children fib or whatever, tell a lie or whatever. It's different than, you know, something heinous and, you know, beating somebody. You know what I mean? So, anyways, I digress. I'm all over. I hope somehow that ministered to you. Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. For to this end I also wrote that I might put you to the test, whether you are obedient in all things. And so when the apostle wrote 1 Corinthians and, and the, wrote those 
those instructions to correct that, you know, whoever was in sin. He says that it was a test to see if they would be obedient to God. Do you think the Apostle Paul, if he was in their situation, would make the correction? He would. Absolutely, if he was there. But he wasn't there. He says, I'm with you in spirit and in the strength of Jesus Christ our Lord. Give him the boot so that Satan can have his flesh that he might repent. So Paul giving them instructions is a test that, hey, if they do what I would do if I was there, that makes us one. That makes us one. That makes us of like-mindedness. But if I give the instructions and they're just like, yeah, but, you know, he was abused as a kid. Or, yeah, but, uh, you know, the devil made him do it. And, uh, you know, Corinth, there's a lot of temptation. And, you know, she came on to him and all that. No, 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 no excuses. There's no excuses. We can't stand before God and say, I would have, but you know. No. We're going to answer for what we do. And so they handled it. He tested and they came out with flying colors. As a church, we are tested from time to time. I've been doing that. I've been a pastor for 20 years. I've been a Christian for 24. This Easter, it'll be 15 years as uh, with Sweet Hills and four years of a home Bible study. before. Throughout our time, there have been times where, you know, my life was just hunky-dory. I'm going about my own business, and I hear about something dreadful that must be taken care of. One of our guys is in something they shouldn't be, or one of the sisters. I immediately know it's a test from God. They've grieved each other with their sin or whatever, but I have, I'm being tested as the pastor of this church if I'm going to handle that or sweep it under the rug. Trust me, there are guys who are ranking out all over the place who would just sweep it under the rug. They'll figure it out. God will... Fix all that. That's not how it works. Did I read Ezekiel to you guys already? No. Ezekiel 3.20. He says again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits inequity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die because you did not give him warning. He shall die in his sin, and his righteousness, which he has done, shall not be remembered. But his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man that the righteous should not sin and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took warning. Also, you have delivered your soul. God says, if you see it and you don't deal with it, 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 it that sinner is going to get dealt with with God. And then God says, his blood is on your hands because you didn't warn him. Parents. Test it all day and all night when they become teens and get all crazy and, you know, or you just get saved and you don't understand, but today is a day of reckoning. If you have grown kids or teenagers and they have boyfriends and girlfriends and they're, they're playing house and they're, 
They're rubbing against each other, if I may, from the pulpit. And you say to yourself, oh, well, I did the same as a kid. Who am I to now stop them? No, it's up to you to stop them because that's why Jesus stopped you, so that you would stop others. Not for you to believe this secular philosophy that says, well, I did it, so let them uh, grow up. Their blood is on your hands. And the real issue isn't just let them grow up. The real issue is if I confront them and I check them in the name of the Lord, my son won't call me no more. She, My daughter won't call me no more if I say something. And that's the test, isn't it? Jesus said in Matthew 10, 37, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. It should be a privilege to, for every parent to quote Joshua 24, 15 to their fornicating children. I love you, and I'll tell you the truth, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So if you're big enough to play house, rub against each other, go get yourself a house and go do what you want to do. But we can't let their sin be our sin. He didn't save you and I from the pit of hell to then turn around and let that happen in the pad. I'm just saying, salt and light, ambassadors of Christ. I think of Abraham and Isaac. The Lord told him, take your son Isaac, your only begotten son. Take him up to a hill I'll show you. Or Mount, Mount Moriah. Takes him up there and sacrifice him to me. Sac- what? Yeah, kill him for me. You know the story. Genesis twenty-two twelve. 12. He had Isaac there and the angel said to him, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son your only son, from me. And then I'm sure him and Isaac had a wonderful relationship after that. (laughs) But it was proof to God. I thank you for Isaac. It's like us saying, we thank God for our children, our grandchildren. We thank God for our family members. All the time we thank him for our family and our spouses. Well, if you see them doing wrong, you got to say something. That's on you. It ain't on me, it's on you. And if you won't, then all you're proving is that they are your idols. And Jesus is just insurance. For to this end I also wrote that I might put you to the test whether you are obedient in all things. Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. I mean, that's the authority from heaven to the church. If you know that someone's doing wrong scripturally, you have the power and the authority from heaven to say, you know what, you're wrong. And if you see that they bear fruits of repentance, you have the authority from heaven to say you're forgiven, which is also sweet and beautiful. That's what Jesus told Peter. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, And there are many crazy churches out there and crazy church leadership out there that even if someone's repentive and broken, and they still don't, you know, let them back into the the flock. And that isn't cool either. Amen? Furthermore, 
When I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord. That means in Troas, Paul was preaching and it was, and it was rocking. Like people were just open to the gospel there in Achaia, that part of, uh, of the world. He said, I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus my brother, but ta- taking my leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. And so he had no rest in his spirit because he was looking for Titus and he wanted to, uh, find him really bad. Again, it shows Paul's humanity. He was worried, man. How are they going to take it? Kind of, I don't know if any of you are managers or bosses and had to write that email or something to them of correction and, you know, you send it. You don't know how they're going to take it. Kind of like that, but way more extreme. And he wanted to hear from Titus because Titus delivered 1 Corinthians to them. How did they take it? Imagine them reading the scroll. You're puffed up when you should be mourning. I am of Paul. I am of apostles. Aren't you acting like mere men? Ooh, just. And they went like this to Titus. Instead of Titus getting right back to Troas, to Paul. Probably stopped by to get some uh, gyros somewhere and made Paul all worried. And he would, in chapter 7, he talks about finding Titus and getting the good news. They accepted it. So, anyhow, now, verse 14. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ, that through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God. We speak in the sight of God in Christ. Paul's words here, of uh, him saying, thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, is based on the Roman triumphal processions, which historically we read about them as being a magnificent spectacle. It's a victory parade that the Caesars in Rome would have to honor the generals that have... uh, been victorious in battle. And so there, you know, at the Roman Forum, they'd have these huge, you know, parades, victory parades, where the victorious general would be on a chariot and there'd be a long procession behind him with, with, with music and dance and trumpets and, uh, you know, pomp and circumstance and, and the captives of of the peoples that they conquered would be trailing behind them. And um, this is what he's speaking of. It's it to, to the church at that time under the Roman Empire and all its power and glory. That was a big deal, these uh, victory triumphal processions. And so that's the idea. And the Apostle Paul would refer to himself as being a captive of Jesus Christ, that he was a prisoner. And so he's saying that as these Roman processions are, so are we 
who walk with Jesus Christ in obedience, that Jesus leads us in triumphant victory, from victory to victory to victory. No matter how hard this life gets, no matter how hard the trials are, the Apostle Paul was persecuted in so many ways. He had such an, uh, he was abused and, and beaten and shipwrecked and scourged and just battered and Yet in all these things, he had the perspective of a winner, right? He would write to the church that yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He saw himself as a conqueror, even when he was getting beat down for the Lord. He saw himself as a conqueror. And that's faith. And that's hope, and that's love, love for Christ. That's when we're in obedience to the Lord, we experience His triumphs and His triumphs and His triumphs. And no matter how hard the trials get, we know things are going to get better. We know that all things are working together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Things are going to get better if we're obedient to Him. And that's why He's saying, Woo! Man, it was tough. He got beat up in, uh, in, uh, Ephesus. I mean, he's gotten beat, beat up. You know, there's so many things that have happened to him. And then to see that the church responded to his correction, that he is one with the church, man. They're on the same page. He's just like, whoo, God's good. He does lead us from, you know, it was tough last year, but it's going to get better and it's going to get better. And then we're going to get snatched up and meet him in the air. I mean, it's victory upon victory. You've already won. Stop tripping. You've already won. Just be obedient. Abide in him. And, and take captives for the Lord like those generals did. The more people are captivated by the love of Christ and join his family... We all are his prisoners. We all are his slaves. And he goes before us like our king. It says here that for we, in verse 15, are to God, or no, no, it says uh, that he leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. So, you know, what's interesting about these processions is that priests would come along that, that line of a victory procession with incense, man, that were, were burning and this smell of victory would be everywhere. And so the Apostle Paul is saying that the fragrance of Christ diffuses, which I assume means that it just comes from us. I was telling first service that Cologne has taken a whole different uh, place in my life since I've been saved. And as I walk with the Lord longer and longer, cologne, I look at it differently. You know, in the BC days, why you put it on, brothers? It wasn't to diffuse Christ to the world. It was for the girls. Let's be honest, right? Right? Now, it's still for my wife, but... Think, Lord, this I want to smell good for you, man. I don't want to be a stinky pastor. I want the church to come in here and, you know, I do. I'm that weird. It's for the Lord. I'm a nut. I admit it. 
But it says here that we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. Right, And that's the truth of who we are as Christians. Your message of the gospel, your knowledge of Jesus, to those who are open, to those who are seeking and are humble, the message we bring, it's the aroma of life. Oh my goodness, that's what I've been missing. I need God in my life. It's the aroma of life. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We don't.